Yeah, and please be mindful of the oncoming traffic. Hello, friends, and welcome in to this, the 218th edition of Fusebox, securely entitled Eudaimonia, and the definitions forthcoming. I'm your dressed in battle fatigues, but feeling wide awake in spite of them host... Mark Rose, and over there, shrouded in the mysteries of Studio Haze, is the potentially quite high pooba of the parametric. <laughs> Milk canes, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, thank you kindly. Uh, so, so uh, help me through my drug-addled haze here. Uh, Eudaimonia? Uh, yes, yes, and uh, you know what? Let's just go ahead and get the obvious out of the way right now, shall we? Eudaimonia. No. Eudaimonia. No, sir. Eudaimonia. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, yes, it's a funny word, but uh, it relates to the central theme directly of our show this time out. And uh, that is? Security and uh, self-preparedness, as it turns out, because, as we know, friends, we live in very interesting times, as they say. True that. So eudaimonia means the state of being happy, comfortable, and healthy. Yeah, but it does sound like a respiratory infection, though. Yes. Yes, it does. A state of happiness, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we're going to extend that uh, definition a little bit to include our main theme for the show and the topic of uh, the Fusebox interview segment coming up in a bit with Evan Morawaki, who is a uh, self-defense instructor who works with a counterterrorism emergency management company based here in Portland. And uh, let me tell you, it's a fascinating chat. Wow. Okay. So, uh, are we going to be able to break cinder blocks with our heads by the time this show's over? Eh, probably not. But you will get some valuable perspectives on the uh, management of emergency situations and a uh, fascinating uh, backstory on Evan himself coming up. But first... A Fuse Box News Update. Well, friends, uh, many are aware that the uh, state of Oregon here has a kind of unique position on the dispensing of liquor. Now, I think it shares that same position with uh, uh, New Jersey, and there might be a few other states out there. In many places, you can buy liquor actually in the grocery store alongside the, you know, rutabagas and Mountain Dew. Well, you know, maybe not right alongside... But, yeah. Yeah, horrible combination, come to think of it. Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. Well, in, in, in our fine state here, there is a commission that oversees the import and uh, distribution of said spirits called the OLCC. 
Now, that's also the same outfit that controls the sale of cannabis, which is totally legal out here, of course. Has been for years, actually. Now, you can buy beer and wine in most places, like grocery stores and stuff like that, yeah? Right. But uh, that doesn't have to be done in the uh, OLCC-controlled location. Just booze. The uh, OLCC has uh, designated liquor stores around the state that will uh, sell you the uh, aforementioned hooch. Well, in the recent days, we've had a little kerfuffle out here. A kerfuffle, you say? I do say. It centers around the recent bourbon diversion scandal. Within the OLCC itself, specifically the uh, quiet sequestering of several rare bottles of bourbon that uh, circumvented the normal internal purchasing channels of the OLCC. Oh, so in other words, these guys, uh, they just kind of took the rare stuff for themselves. Yeah, but you know what? They they did pay for them, as I understand it. Yeah. They just sort of sidelined a few of these bottles for themselves without going through the uh, proper channels to do that. And uh, that got some kerfuffle going on. Eh, uh, so to speak. Well, these pricey bottles were worth thousands of dollars, evidently. But um, these activities clearly violate state laws, and therefore, the executive director, Steve Marks, and five other officials were asked to resign after this thing was uh, discovered. Governor Tina Kotek asked Paul Rosenbaum, who was, uh, I guess, serving his second four-year term on the board, to uh, vacate his position. In that meeting, he, uh, he delivered a an impassioned but vague defense of the OLCC's citizen board, claiming that himself and the six other members knew nothing about agency officials circumventing the regular channels to purchase rare bottles of liquor. Rosenbaum uh, also described the OLCC as the, quote, the most open agency in the state, bar none. Sure. They're high all the time. <laughs> I think not, Mr. Gaines. <laughs> uh, quoting from uh, an article in The Guardian. Yes, friends, even the UK is interested in this thing. <laughs> quoting here, the investigation revealed that Marx would ask staff to divert high-demand liquor to specific stores where he would purchase it. Officials told investigators that this practice had been common within the agency for years and was widespread. Marx denied violating states' ethics laws and policy, but told an investigator, as a commission employee, he had, quote, to some extent received preferential treatment in obtaining the alcohol. Officials said they never resold the whiskeys, though. Wow. Well, you know, you gotta think that the temptation is there. I mean, a 23-year-old bottle of, uh, what was it? Uh, Rudy Van Gelder? <laughs> uh, Pappy Van Winkle. Nice try there, though. <laughs> Some of our more astute listeners will grab that reference to renowned jazz record mixing engineer and producer Rudy Van Gelder. <laughs> you know, I do try to bring some historical aspects to this show. Ah, uh, well, I, I, thanks for that. I very much appreciate it, Mr. Keynes. Very much appreciate it. Yes, uh, and let me tell you, it's a very lofty bourbon indeed. This one would retail in the hundreds of dollars a bottle. So uh, they surely knew 
what they had there. And, uh, you know, like you say, the temptation was probably pretty great. But... He chose poorly. Yes. So, uh, when we return, we shall take a deep dive into how some of the recent divisive energy out there right now is manifesting in our lives and uh, what some remedies might actually be. Stay with us, can't we? I'd feel safer with you. TheFuseBoxShow.com And we're back. Oh, thanks ever so much. Friends, it's absolutely no secret that uh, we live in very anxious, agitated, and downright irritable times. We've seen this energy manifest uh, oftentimes as violent personal attacks against people and sometimes outright physical assaults. Like, well, hell, remember last Thanksgiving at your in-laws? You know, when Todd hurled that flaming colander of steamed broccoli right at Uncle Carl's head? (gasps) You remember, right? It's not a great situation. Sadly, at present, there's no instant remedy to make it all vanish other than, perhaps, just common sense. But there are steps, preventions, and uh, the like that some can take, uh, particularly if they find themselves in risky situations. And by the way, these days, a risky situation can be defined as just walking to your car in some cases. Well... That brings me to our guest today, Evan Morawaki, a self-defense instructor who works with an organization called Complete Threat Preparedness, a uh, link in the show notes down there to them. They are a counterterrorism emergency management company. So, let's meet Evan on this... The Fusebox Interview. You, you're in a very interesting line of work. Uh, this is a very specific sort of thing. What attracted you to this kind of thing from the beginning? Oh, goodness. So from the beginning, I would say I was not the most physically gifted child. My parents put me in uh, karate, specifically Shituryu karate. You know, I, I didn't like it at first, as most kids don't. You got to drag them to practice. Yeah. And, uh, I'd rather be playing with my toys or something. But I, I grew to love it. That same instructor was really talented, and he taught me judo. And that was another cool tool to have in my toolbox. Mm. Uh, it was another opportunity to learn some humility, right? And you get thrown enough, you're like, gosh, the ground hurts. The yes. ground can beat me up, too. Yeah. Uh, middle school and high school, I would do wrestling, and then on off-season, I'd do judo and karate, and you know, I'd keep up more with my karate. Just started getting to other martial arts, so I was curious about boxing, and then that got me into Thai boxing, which is called Muay Thai. And that's where not only am I punching and kicking, but I'm throwing elbows and knees. Once again, more tools to add. Once again, more opportunities and humility. (laughs) After that, I got into uh, what's called Krav Maga, which was made by the Israeli military. And it's just basically the psychological concept of a forward straight line of motion. So if I'm here and my objective is over there, it doesn't matter how many people are in between me and my objective. I'm getting there. And mm-hmm. I'm getting there through a straight line, which is the most direct and shortest path. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it was good because it helped to teach aggression, but also how to temper it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I-, I met another interesting person in Portland. 
and I started to learn Tai Chi, offshoot of it called Da Bei Chun, and uh, Ba Gua Zhang, which are more Chinese martial arts. And then uh, he's a weird dude. He also knew Capoeira, which is... This is going to sound fake, but it's where breakdancing comes from. <laughs> no, that's it's got to come from somewhere, right? Capoeira is, is a lesser-known martial art. It's Afro-Brazilian slaves brought their martial arts with them when they were working on the sugarcane plantations in Brazil. And the the slave owners were like, hey, too many uprisings. You don't get weapons. You don't get garden tools, machetes, whatever. We're going to lock them up. They said, okay. And they were good enough at martial arts that they did it again. And so, all, you know, all the plantation owners were like, all right, no more practicing martial arts. And so all the capoeiristas were like, okay, we're just going to dance. And so they would hide all the kicks and the oh, turns. Fascinating. Yeah. And then so whenever anybody was like, hey, what are you doing? Work's done. We're just practicing dancing, man. We're just hanging out. And uh, <laughs> it was another cool, once again, tool in the toolbox to work on physicality, handstands, a lot of high kicks, flexibility, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But another cool community to get... Uh, involved in. I've heard this said many times that people who are looking for the mark, you know, looking for someone who is a, a good candidate to be uh, robbed or oh, mugged or whatever. Yes, yes. There's a certain vibration. There's a carry that these people have that these folks look for. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, if you're walking in with confidence, speed, determination, and I'm going here, right. you're not as likely to get selected in that process as the person who's kind of, <laughs> here, kick me, you know? Right, right. And, and no matter what you want to call it, right? Uh, energy, uh, we could call them uh, micro-expressions, mm-hmm. body language, all those. It's all the same thing. Right? Yes. Yeah. And part of this line of work, too, involves being able to put that bully hat on mm-hmm. to be able to better understand bullies right Mm -hmm. just in the sense of how a doctor has to understand diseases intimately right we as uh self-defense instructors and uh, security personnel have to understand the minds of of criminals or 'er ne'er-do-wells uh to use a fancy word Mm -hmm. a little bit more intimately right and so i don't even have to bring out a gun or a knife to necessarily rob somebody if i come up to you mark and i see that you're really oh you're timid and you Mm -hmm. you look lost and you you almost need somebody to take your reins almost like a dog who's just walking around with a leash dragging mm-hmm. if i can grab that leash and say hey you look lost let me do this for you mm-hmm. right as opposed to hey are, are you lost can i can i help you i mean i, I don't mean to intrude but uh, you, you just happen to look lost the past those two conversations can take is drastic can be drastically, <laughs> drastically different. different yes <laughs> And one can lead me to have you go to an ATM and just be like, oh, yeah, if, I, if you just give me 300 bucks, right, you, you'll have my taxi services for the rest of the week. Here's a fake phone number that you'll never use, right? And uh, you know what? Just give me a call if you need me, right? Because I'm your friend, Mark. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Come on, man. I, and that one, once again, right, I just told you I'm your friend. That's right. You didn't have to make that decision. That's I made right. it for you. Sure. What, what is the, the name of the company you work with and what do they do? <laughs> So the company I work for is called uh, Complete Threat Preparedness. And I love it just because as a civilian, I've uh, accrued a certain set of skills. Not to sound like Liam Neeson too much, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but, but things that like you, we hinted at the beginning that just, just attract me, right? That mm-hmm. I've been attracted to. And uh, I'm super grateful that they've given me the opportunity to, to, to use those skills to teach and enrich people's lives. Uh, but Complete Threat Preparedness is a counterterrorism slash emergency management company. 
So we have a really wide umbrella of what we do. The main thing that I'm involved with is I teach self-defense. I also teach uh, permitting for concealed carry within the states of Oregon and Utah. I also teach more specialized self-defense classes. So last summer I taught to a small group of high school girls uh, some jujitsu with another coworker of mine. And it was super cool. No firearms needed, right? Mm -hmm. Just, just, exactly. it was what they need because mm -hmm. I think they're 16 or so. Sure. And so we can suit things to people's needs. But that's also kind of a, that's kind of a unique spin. I mean, somebody can come to you with, I don't want to be a Kung Fu master. It's just, <laughs> I just need to be able to feel confidence that if I'm in a situation that I can get out of it in some way. Right. So you're kind of tailoring the method to the need of the person who's approaching you. Yes, it's kind of like being a real estate agent in self-defense, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Sure. You know? <laughs> because if somebody doesn't want to use firearms or they can't, you know, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. then we could still tailor things, you know. It doesn't all have to center on firearms. Right. I feel like that's been the huge talking point. Yes, of, of course. We're, we're trying to get this in the civilian market because we also have federal work that we, we do in this complete threat preparedness company with situational awareness, right? So... I don't have to teach you how to choke somebody out or punch really hard or work a work a handgun, right? I can take you for an hour and say, "All right, let's let's scan." And once again, kind of put that bully hat on. Who looks like he they'd be your friend if you're wearing the bully hat, right? Mm -hmm. Now, who looks like they could potentially be your friend, right? And then who just looks like no. You know what I mean that I would avoid, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we can break it down in that sense of someone once again doesn't have to have all these physical skills if they have these psychological skills they can still go through the world feeling safer and more confident in how they hold themselves what they do how they interact with other people one of the things that we're seeing especially in portland here lately and i don't know why but there is a a, a growing amount of gun violence that's going mm. on around everywhere mm -hmm. and we've talked on the show many times about this and my stance has always been that it's not the gun necessarily. It's not probably going to go out and assault anybody. Mm -hmm. It's the responsibility of the person using it. So in most cases, it seems to me that the problem is in either better screening, a, a higher level, a better degree of education as to how to use these things. Mark, I appreciate your, your viewpoint. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to come on here is that mm -hmm. after listening to a couple episodes... Uh, love the pocket squirrels, the Japanese pocket squirrels. <laughs> but I also appreciate that you, you don't come at things from 100 miles per hour at, on one side or the other, Correct. right? You're, yeah. you're very uh, good at, at, at being as objective as a human being can be. We try. <laughs> we try hard. And um, probably two things with that, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing that complete threat preparedness helps deal with is psychological first aid, mm -hmm. right? So everyone deals with physiological first aid. Uh, if you have a broken arm, you got to fix it. We also need psychological first aid. Definitely, right? yeah. So we can get stress injuries, mm -hmm. like you are talked about, you know, the pandemic. I, I also say, just personally, I'm seeing a lot more of that in my life. You know, a lot of people are stressed out. Mm -hmm. And we are in this interesting day and age where a lot of these remedies for stress injuries, therapy, even talking with friends, being <laughs> open, all right, about, about some negative feelings yep, that we have. Yeah, sure are all out there. It's just the accessibility and the means of recognizing stress injuries. So if I think if more people can take a second and say, wow, you know what? 
this isn't this isn't who I am. This isn't normally how I act. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should go get some help from a professional or even just start with talking with a friend. And then secondly, I love that you talk about safety and responsibility. Those are those are two key words mm -hmm. used a lot within the firearm community. And and right, a, a firearm itself in of itself is a tool. It does have a purpose, and that that purpose is to mitigate threats, but it's the end user. Just as easily as a power drill can be used to put a house together, it can be used to take a house apart, right? Oh, absolutely can. <laughs> and so that, that's kind of how we're, we're looking at it is, there, yes, there is a, a lot of uh, firearm violence, but I think for me also viewing it through my lens as an instructor, even a martial artist, weirdly enough, mm -hmm. is to teach that responsibility and safety to as many people as I can reach. Maybe I can't reach that, that criminal element that, that is on the rise here, but I'd like to be able to reach people maybe before they, they make a bad decision. Just as a little, little tidbit, right? the four safety rules, the first rule is always treat a firearm as if it's loaded. That's majority, right, of accidents. Yes, of course, is, absolutely. Right, is, is if I treat a firearm as if it's loaded every time I pick it up, that means I'm going to check it, I'm going to be responsible. The second rule is keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. I'm going to have my, my finger straight and nice and high off that trigger, so if somebody startles me or I trip or I, even I sneeze even, my hand wants to flex inwards, mm -hmm. right? It wants to supinate. If I can prevent... That, that trigger from going off, right? That trigger from being touched off, then that's one more safety veil that I have, safety net. The third one is I'm not going to point this firearm at anything I'm not willing to destroy. So even when I put it down, it's pointed downrange. It's not pointed in any weird direction. Mm -hmm. Once again, I'm, after, I'm adding safety nets, right? I trust the firearm's not going to go off on its own, but I also trust that I'm a pretty good driver. I'm still going to put my seatbelt on. The fourth is we're going to know what our target is and what's behind it. So if, if this is more for outdoor shooting, mm -hmm. right? If I'm shooting into just a thicket of trees, I, I don't really know what's behind that. Right. I don't know that the, the bullet is going to stop in any one of those trees necessarily. You could have, once again, an accident where it goes through, and now you have a road that's behind that thicket. Yeah. And somebody just unfortunately gets injured. If tragedy happens and I... Do not treat my firearm as if it's loaded, and it is, and I have my finger on the trigger, and it goes off. If I'm pointed in at something that is in a safe direction, and I know what that target is and what's, what's behind it, you know, I wouldn't say that you did a good job. Right. <laughs> I still went off when you didn't <laughs> want it to. But we, we helped to mitigate threats and risks. And so even getting that education out there for those, those four safety rules... And, and helping to get rid of complacency. So, you know, earlier we were, t we were chatting a little bit about, uh, it came up in the conversation, about micro-expressions, things, tips that people might not be having the best of days. <laughs> oh, and, yes. And I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that, because it dovetails specifically into your psychological training and so forth. And I think in anyone who works in this profession uh, seriously, this is a component that is very important in a situation <laughs> that may potentially heat up. Yes. Uh, so there's there's an interesting story. A, a friend of mine was sitting in a coffee shop on a Zoom call, and he was sitting there, and it, it, like you're talking about, there's this energy, but also, like we talked about before, defensive driving, right? Mm -hmm. All these things we can do to prevent uh, a tragedy from happening. And so he was sitting there, and he was a concealed carrier, and he noticed this guy outside of the coffee shop just pacing, and... He had that Ford energy 
you know, where his shoulders were, were kind of in, like he was hiding something, right? We tend to hide secrets if, we, if we're lying. And his eyes weren't really focused on anything, pacing, which indicates also some anxiousness, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of that going on that flagged in my buddy's uh, periphery. And so he was like, hey, you know, uh, I'm on this call right now, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll log that. And unfortunately, this person came into the shop was still displaying that those same micro expressions, right? That same body language mm-hmm. of anxiousness and uh, uh, almost an intensity. And this individual reached into their backpack, unfortunately, and kind of kept it there. My friend turned his iPad around that was on Zoom call with. Very smart, since he's recorded and was like, "Hey, I just need you to watch this. <laughs> Something <laughs> right. We this might turn into a, a teachable a, moment, right? Yeah, here. exactly." There was no word spoken, and it was a very interesting exchange. He put his hand on his concealed carry firearm, letting this person know that he was armed. This individual and him made eye contact, and they sat there. And my friend uh, has done a lot of training. Uh, He was in the military, a lot of uh, hard stuff. He knows who he is and what what he can do and what he can't do, and that, that portrays. Mm-hmm. on someone's face yes. right and he sat there and he let this person know <laughs> i that here's what i can do here's what i can't do right you can display that in your face and your expressions your body language if i'm relaxed but i have my hand on my firearm which is not brandishing by the way that's that's, that's still within your legal rights mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't clear that holster right that exchange of i'm confident but i'm also relaxed because i've been here before this individual saw that and there is this these couple moments of just staring at each other and then this individual made the right choice took their hands out of their backpack put their hands up in almost a surrender position and just said okay and just started to display some more relaxed body language and this barista had no idea (laughs) this exchange happened you know right in her shop which was fortunate that's excellent because yeah that could have also prevented some extra, once again, stress injuries. Yes, <laughs> this clearly. Poor, this poor barista, you know. And But it, it was interesting, even in that. Like you were talking about also that spirituality, that energy. If we can train more people to walk around, know who they are, be calm, and let's say even have disagreements. That was a big disagreement that these two people had. Yeah. And it didn't turn into a shouting match. Or Non-verbal, right. almost, right? Right. I feel like that also would help a lot of people as a whole both of our goals is to walk away unscathed right that's usually most people's goals mm-hmm. is to walk away and yeah. not spend the night in jail not to have a black eye you mm-hmm. know or the worst case of it you know not end up in the hospital right right is is yeah you know maybe this person isn't my friend per se but they're a human being and they and deserve a certain amount of respect once again that awareness right and if we can mitigate some of those and and go into the world with some love and, and understanding, it's a, it's a good place to be. It is a good place to be. And it's very refreshing to, to hear that in a context that we would not normally hear. It. Because, you know, usually your yoga instructor is going right. to be speaking to you right. like this, not necessarily a person hel- helping you to defend yourself in a right. situation that is uh, volatile. <laughs> Yeah, I just find that really refreshing. I don't think there is enough information of that kind out there right now. We need that. We really do to counterman some of this this other divisive energy that's out there right now. If if someone can look at the hardships they've gone through in their life and look at it instead of as, 
oh man, all these things happened to me instead of, hey, you know what? These are more opportunities to speak to somebody who had the same thing happen to them, right? Who got beaten up a bunch as a kid, right? Yeah, or, or, exactly. Yeah. You know, had a rough, rocky marriage, right? That's more sincerity for me to communicate and connect with this person. I think, you know, that, that'd be a cool way for people to start looking at that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel empowered as hell. You know, I, I think I'm going to expand my morning brisk sit to about 10 minutes now. Glad you feel motivated, Mr. Keynes. Uh, thanks ever so much to Evan Morawaki and the folks at Complete Threat Preparedness for coming aboard for this interview. By the way, he's a great guy, uh, a very knowledgeable chap about this stuff. Gotta say, I, I dug his method of de-escalating a situation. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, it's not a secret. I'm not a big fan of guns myself, but I'll tell you, if I were going to be the, quote, responsible gun owner, I'd want training from Evan there. No no doubt about it. Or he could just show you how to kick the shit out of seven assailants using only a spatula and an oven mitt. Yeah. And with that... We shall indeed call it a show, friends, but uh, not before thanking our contributors to this edition of the show, Elizabeth Bach, for wondrous ID pronouncements, and big thanks again to Evan Morawaki and the folks at Complete Threat Preparedness. As I say, there is a link to that fine company in the show notes. Thanks, as always, to the intercranial man of the moment, Milk Canes for technical assistance and so forth and so on. A pleasure as always. And uh, folks, if you dug what you heard on this show, well, hell, even if you didn't, why don't you just mash that subscription button on wherever you may have found us. And uh, if there isn't one, you can go to thefuseboxshow.com and right there on the front page, you can mash away on that button. Yes, for sure and for true. And uh, if you're feeling like some exclusive content available only to those who become Patreon members, well, go ahead and head right on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash The Fusebox Show and sign up. And uh, just as one immediate perk, you can hear the extended interview we did there with Evan for even more better greater enjoyment and further knowledge enrichment, and like that there. I have been your completely prepared for advanced avoidance techniques host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Phew.